I'm Theo. And I'm Juliet. And this is Apologies Accepted. We offer an entertaining look at some of the big issues in history by examining public apologies of the famous and infamous. We're looking at politicians, serial killers, actors, and you. Send us a public apology you would like to make, and we'll read it on the air and give you a chance to redeem yourself, or just get some guilt off your shoulders. We're here for you. Once a week, maybe more if you're really, really sorry. Good morning. Happy Friday. It's yes. Friday for us anyway. <laughs> and it's Friday the 13th in 2020. What could go wrong? That's good luck for us. <laughs> Probably. And our podcast. <laughs> so what's going on? What's new this week? Well, I'm very excited to tell you that coronavirus has hit super close to home. Oh, no. Yeah, super close. James has been going into his office building oh, no. every day. And although oh, no. his office uh, has space enough for 100 people and only two people show up, someone within the building has reported they've tested positive. So we'll say oh, that boy. we're thankful that... and that, So now he can't go into the building, right? He can't um, go anywhere. Well, he has to quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but for him, it's, it's a bit of a struggle not to be able to go into the building. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, but oh uh, aside from that, I feel fine, which is great. That's good. Yes. Congratulations. And everyone will know the minute I don't feel fine because I <laughs> invented the man flu. And yes. <laughs> Did we talk about the elections last time? That was very good news for us. That was great news for us. And it's been a thousand years since the elections. I know. It's, and so many things no have meaning. happened. But it looks like Trump might actually be relaxing a little bit and maybe going to admit that he's not president. And I'm just going to say, Jesus Christ, I wish the world paid this much attention to my fucking feelings, right? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no. We, said we, can't, we have to be real careful about what we say to him. Oh, fuck oh, for sure. off. He right. lost. Just, just ignore him until January and then kick him out. That's what I say. I agree. But we're not in charge, unfortunately. But I will say, I did notice uh, a change in my mental outlook and uh and obviously for the positive and so i've been listening to a couple of our earlier episodes and we do a lot of apologizing and explaining about our viewpoints and our perspectives and that we want to be allies and we're learning and we don't really know how and and i know that when i was issuing those statements i felt a lot of fear that i would offend somebody accidentally of course that wasn't the intention and now that and i th- and i think where that was stemming from was i didn't want people to confuse me with the trump viewpoint right and so i have to over explain be overly cautious in order to make sure that i don't align myself even accidentally with with that viewpoint. And now that the Biden administration is there, I'm much more like, hey, you know, if somebody's feelings get hurt, I can apologize, but I don't have to overly, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't have to be overly cautious in advance. Right. I can apologize after the fact. Personally. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, for me, it's ramped down a lot of. That's great. A lot of uh, fear, right? Now I can be the racist I really want to be. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I can't For do me, sincerity. It's more, no, that's funny. For me, it's more that I feel less afraid of everything. It just seems to me that the presidency, the Biden presidency, opens up a whole lot of possibilities for good things to happen as opposed to all the bad things that were happening. Like now we can start addressing the climate crisis and we can start addressing the kids in cages and the immigration issue and police and all these other things that were never going to get addressed under Trump. So I feel like, and I may not be right, it may turn out that we don't do enough about those things, but I do feel like a certain weight has been lifted. I agree. A certain weight has been lifted and I have hope for the first time in four years, because before the hope was just simply that Trump wouldn't get reelected, right? Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. Now it's like, oh, okay, great. Maybe there's some hope for not even maybe there's some hope for the country. And this thing of like stuff. America sucked and we're terrible. Now I don't feel that. Now it feels like, okay, we've got this. Yeah. 
maybe we're not all terrible, although 48% of us or whatever are, but maybe not all of us are terrible. I'm going to say we are all works in progress, <laughs> right? Which brings us to our topic hey, for today. You're Who welcome. are we talking about? Thank you. That's a good segue for me. Um, so what are we talking about? Today we are talking about Ellen DeGeneres and yes. her public apology. And we'll see where the conversation goes because I have a couple of thoughts that struck me while I was reviewing her her situation. And uh, yep. I'll start by saying, I don't know a lot about Ellen. I know enough about Ellen to have a reasonable conversation, but I am not a pop culture fan. I am not a TV watcher, really. I will say that I don't know quite a lot about Ellen DeGeneres, and I'm, I don't have a personal investment in Ellen DeGeneres's show exactly. or success. And I don't either. In researching this, I actually realized my I do have a lot of of knowledge about Ellen DeGeneres. I just never connected all of the dots. Um, and there were some very uh, exciting bits for me that I tripped over in my research. And I am dying to tell you all about what I learned about Ellen DeGeneres and her early life. So awesome. Let us okay. start with. All right. So let's talk about the apology, which oh, is what we will normally do. The point of the show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will uh, go through the apologies for us real quick. So remember, these are the best apologies she could come up with, with all of her staff, all of her money, and all of her resources. So just keep that in mind. Um, she apologized to her staff um, in an email in July uh, because of COVID. She did it by email and not in person. I don't know why she didn't do Zoom, but there you go. Uh, she says, hey, everybody, it's Ellen. On day one of our show, I told everyone in our first meeting that the Ellen DeGeneres show would be a place of happiness. No one would ever raise their voice and everyone would be treated with respect. Obviously, something changed, and I am disappointed to learn that this has not been the case. And for that, I am sorry. Anyone who knows me knows it's the opposite of what I believe and what I hope for our show. I could not have the success I've had without all of your contributions. My name is on the show and everything we do, and I take responsibility for that. Alongside Warner Brothers, we immediately began an internal investigation, and we are taking steps together to correct the issues. As we've grown exponentially, I've not been able to stay on top of everything and relied on others to do their jobs as they knew I'd want them done. Clearly, some didn't. That will now change, and I'm committed to ensuring this does not happen again. I'm also learning that people who work with me and for me are speaking on my behalf and misrepresenting who I am, and that has to stop. As someone who was judged and nearly lost everything for just being who I am, I truly understand and have deep compassion for those being looked at differently or treated unfairly, not equal, or worse, disregarded. To think that any one of you felt that way is awful to me. It's been way too long, but we're finally having conversations about fairness and justice. We all have to be more mindful about the way our words and actions affect others, and I'm glad the issues at our show were brought to my attention. I promise to do my part in continuing to push myself and everyone around me to learn and grow. It's important to me and to Warner Brothers that everyone who has something to say can speak up and feel safe doing so. I am so proud of the work we do and the fun and joy we all help put out in the world. I want everyone at home to love our show, and I want everyone who makes it to love working on it. Again, I'm so sorry to anyone who didn't have that experience. If not for COVID, I'd have done this in person, and I can't wait to be back on our stage and see you all then. Stay safe and healthy. Love, Ellen. And maybe we should mention what the apology is for briefly. So she um, was accused of not being nice, basically, and also um, her her company was accused, people in her company, producers and some other folks were accused of harassment, right? Yes, right. And the initial um, concerns for the initial complaints in social media were around racism. Right. And they right. were followed a couple of weeks later by complaints in the public forum about sexual harassment. And okay. so it's sort of like a, a crumbling of the Ellen facade that happened bit by bit, which I know we'll get into. But yeah. uh, but the first complaints were about racism. And there was a two-week span where that was the news. And then the people who had been 
harassed and intimidated, sexually harassed and, and intimidated, yes. finally felt the, the freedom to speak out themselves. Okay, good. Good. Thank you. So there was a second apology, which was on her show, uh, the start of her 18th season, I believe, um, when she, she was on stage and, and it was, I don't, was it live? I'm not sure. Uh, it was filmed uh, before a live audience, but that live audience was, was televised on, on screens that were placed in the in the studio. So she was right. standing on a stage facing faces that were three to five feet tall. Right? <laughs> um, but they couldn't talk back. Yeah. Uh, smiling faces, obviously. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. So... Okay. Um, so anyway, so so that's the setting, right? She's in a okay. studio by herself because of COVID, and there are televised images of live audience members being projected Watching onto her. individual screens. Okay, got it. Great. Okay, so uh, she came out wearing white, which was interesting, and she made some jokes first. Um, she said, if you're watching because you love me, thank you. If you're watching because you don't love me, welcome. And then asked, uh, how was everyone's summer? Good? Mine was great. Super terrific. And then uh, she laughed about addressing the virtual audience who probably all smell great, which is a refer- re- reference <laughs> a reference to, <laughs> to um, how she was accused, actually, of keeping a jar, a bowl of gum outside her office so that anyone who came into her office would chew the gum so their breath wouldn't stink weird um yeah yeah and she okay. went on to say uh, as you may have heard this summer there were allegations of a toxic work environment at our show and then there was an investigation i learned that things happened here that never should have happened i take that very seriously and i want to say i am so sorry to the people who were affected i know that i'm in a position of privilege and power and i realize with that comes responsibility and i take responsibility for what happens at my show this is the Ellen DeGeneres show. I am Ellen DeGeneres. My name is there. My name is there. My name is on underwear. We have had a lot of conversations over the last few weeks about the show, our workplace, and what we want for the future. We have made the necessary changes, and today we are starting a new chapter. There were also articles in the press and on social media that said, I am not who I appear on TV because I became known as the Be Kind Lady. And here's how that happened. I started saying be kind to one another after a young man named Tyler Clemente took his own life after being bullied for being gay. I thought the world needed more kindness, and it was a reminder that we all needed that. And I think we need it more than ever right now. Being known as the be kind lady is a tricky position to be in, so let me give you some advice. Anyone thinking of changing their title or giving yourself a nickname, do not go with the be kind lady. Don't do it. The truth is, I am that person that you see on TV. I'm also a lot of other things. Sometimes I get sad, I get mad, I get anxious, I get frustrated, I get impatient, and I am working on all of that. I am a work in progress, and I'm especially working on the impatience thing, and it's not going well. It's not happening fast enough. I don't think that I am that good an actress that I could come out here every day for 17 years and fool you. This is me. And my intention is to always be the best person that I can be. And if I have ever let someone down, if I have ever hurt their feelings, I am so sorry for that. If that's ever the case, I have let myself down. I have hurt myself as well. Because I always try to grow as a person, I look at everything that comes into my life as an opportunity to learn. I got into this business to make people laugh and feel good. That's my favorite thing to do. That and Jenga. And now I am a boss of 270 people. 270 people who make this show what it is. 270 people who I am so grateful for. All I want is for every single one of them to be happy and be proud to work here. This has been a horrible summer for people all around the world. People are losing their jobs. People are losing loved ones to a pandemic. People are losing their homes and lives in raging fires that are going on. There is blatant racial injustice all around us. I watch the news and I feel like, where do we even begin? So my hope is that we can still be a place of happiness and joy. I still want to be the one hour a day that people can go to escape and laugh. I want to continue to help all the people that we help every day, and I am committed to making this the best season that we have ever had. And then after that, she announced that her DJ has been promoted to co-executive producer. And I think it's worth pointing out the DJ is a person of color. Yeah, he's black. Okay, so, and, and let's save that point for when we discuss the apology, right? But, so let's look at Ellen. How did she get on TV? Why does she have a show? Why does anybody care what happens on the Ellen DeGeneres show, right? So, Ellen DeGeneres was born in 1958 in, I will mispronounce it, Medieri, Louisiana. Um, I think it's Metairie, but I don't know. Could be Metairie. Could be Metairie. 
could be <laughs> metropolis i don't know um and it's not that i don't care it's that i'll never have to say that word again and i'm lazy so mm-hmm. uh, her parents got divorced when she was young she stayed with her mother and her brother left home at about the age of 15 is what alan says it seems awfully young for somebody to be leaving home even in 1978 Oh, no, uh, it wouldn't be 78, sorry, uh, even in like 1960-something. But uh, her brother left home and became a musician, an entertainer, a producer, and he developed a character on Saturday Night Live called Mr. Bill. And He did? Her brother played Mr. Hans. I didn't know that. Oh, yes. my God. So, Ellen DeGeneres... Hey, Gen X kids, uh, Mr. Bill, <laughs> he lives. And thank you, Ella DeGeneres' brother, whose name I don't know. Um, Vincent, I think. Could be. Vincent <laughs> Metairie, maybe. For our purposes, could be his, his name, name is Vincent. Okay, great. <laughs> Vinny. So, uh, yeah, so he played Mr. Hands. And I got so excited when I found that out. I was like, wow, God, I remember all of that. Um, let's see. So... Ellen's from pretty normal middle class background, and she worked as a waitress at TGI Fridays. She worked at J.C. Mm. Penney's. She worked as a house mm-hmm. painter, a hostess, and a bartender. And I, I mention all that to to illustrate that she has had mundane blue collar jobs where you mm-hmm. were the person that people come in and take all their aggravations and anger out on. Right? I mean, yep. who hasn't yelled at a house painter? Um, in 1978, Ellen was living, Ellen was, um, she knew she was gay. I don't know that she was open, so I don't want to say she was openly gay, but she was living with her girlfriend and her girlfriend was killed in a car crash. Um, Ellen was 20 years old. She was like 20. Yeah. Oh gosh. And as a waitress, house painter, bartender, she couldn't afford the apartment that she and her girlfriend had been living in. So she moved into Mm. a small studio somewhere in New Orleans. And while she was in the small studio, laying on the floor, which was where she had her bed because she was Mm. very poor, um, she noticed there were a bunch of fleas in her apartment. And that was soul-crushing, right? She's in the middle of the grieving process, and and here she is, and she's surrounded by fleas. And this wonderful person was stolen from her. uh, And she thought... I really wish I could just pick up the phone and call God and say, hey, God, what the fuck? Why did you take my <laughs> girlfriend, but you gave me fleas, right? Right. And so she wrote that down. Ellen was uh, writing poetry and writing music. And so um, for her to sit down and, and write out her feelings was a pretty normal daily activity. But when she uh-huh. finished it, she read it and she said, oh, my God, this is actually funny. I should like probably do this on stage somewhere. And if I ever get on Johnny Carson, I will do this bit on the Johnny Carson show. Wow. Which for somebody who had never done stand-up comedy, somebody That's who had bold. professed no interest in the entertainment industry, <laughs> but whose brother was Mr. Hands in the Mr. Bill show. So yeah. we'll give him that, um, uh, you know, call it prophetic. So, Ellen starts doing stand-up comedy in and around the New Orleans area um, in coffee houses and in bars. There was no real comedy club. And one opened up um, and she became the MC of that comedy club in 1981. Then uh-huh. in 1984, she's, you know, all these years, she's still doing the comedy thing. She's working. Yeah. She was named Showtime's Funniest Person in America in 1984. So she's she's got some attention. Well, that's I mean, a lot of attention. Quick, but then if you if you think that uh, the genesis of this started in 1978, we're you know we're six years in. She's named Showtime's Funniest Person. Yeah, six years. It's pretty pretty fast. I let's think, say. I think most comedians are never named Showtime's Funniest Person of the Year. I think most comedians wouldn't take <laughs> Showtime's Funniest Person of the Year um, if that title was handed to them. Um, oh, yeah. Not anymore, maybe. Okay, so anyway, um, then the big break happens for Ellen DeGeneres, and she's invited to perform on the Johnny Carson Show in 1986. And she does her If You Could Call God skit, right? It's called The Phone Call to God skit. 
Um, she, she really kept that all that all that time. Yeah, she kept it all wow. that time. And did you see it? Have I, you seen it? I did, and I'm going to say um, it was cute. It was wholesome. Okay. It was sweet, and you just you felt for Ellen. Like there was just something about her that you wanted to hug her and applaud her. And she was making fun of herself, but she's also making fun of God. And then she's making fun of the fact that she's making fun of God. And it's a really clever, multi-layered comedic thing. I don't know the the word for it. Uh, She wasn't out as gay yet. Did she say that her partner was a man? Oh, no. Did she say her partner was a man or was she just like partner? Silent silent okay about okay yeah she didn't uh she didn't talk about the genesis of the god skit publicly right this is uh this was a reflection she made on a podcast you know like last month or later two two months ago yeah so okay um okay so let's see here so we're in 1986 she's on the johnny carson show she's done her god skit um she's really nervous because johnny carson was the coronator he was the kingmaker in comedy if you got on the yeah. carson show as a comic you you got some notice but the big 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 thing was getting called over to the couch right 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 and that didn't happen all the time and it right. had never happened for a woman so oh, in wow. 1986 ellen degeneres is very busy not looking at johnny carson because mm-hmm. she doesn't want to freeze like a deer in the headlights mm-hmm. and realize where she's at. And he's waving her over and she's not seeing oh him. Gosh. She's focused on the audience and she's looking way far away, anywhere but at Johnny Carson. So finally he says, hey, come over here. And she turns around uh. and walks over and is sat down on the couch and gets about 45 extra seconds on the show. Hey, you were really funny. Aren't you great? I want you to come back. I know how hard it is for women in this business. And she's like, thank you so much. And here's the thing. She's not funny. She's sincere. Uh And she stops being... Stand-up comics are the fucking worst, right? They are... Funny, 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 perform, perform, perform. In an elevator by themselves, they will put on a performance, right? I love stand-up comics. I hope they are, are all of them are in our audience, and they're the best people ever. I do too, <laughs> but annoying as fuck, right? Okay. Like, be okay. real. And so, I mean, be real when you're not on stage, right? Otherwise, <laughs> dance for me, monkey, dance. Um <laughs> So, <laughs> let's see. Um, okay, after that visual. So, she, she was on uh, Johnny Carson and she wasn't funny. She was very sincere. She was very sincere, she sat sincere, on the couch. sincere at the end, which, which Carson would appreciate, right? Oh, okay. Because uh, she's not trying to one-up him. She's not yes-handing him. She's not like, look at me, look at me. Like, she is very appreciative and he can see that, Right. Um, and then the next day she goes out in the street, nobody recognizes her and life moves on. Um, so in 1992, she lands a role in a sitcom that was canceled after four episodes, but the mm-hmm. producers of the sitcom liked Ellen. She had one mm-hmm. word on the sitcom, which was hello. Otherwise she was just <laughs> like a character who showed up. Right. Uh-huh. And so they cast her with another producer uh, pal of theirs, a guy named David Rosenthal, who is fucking legendary. He did Gilmore Girls, right? Lots of other oh, stuff, okay. but every, I yeah. mean, everybody's heard of that show. Um, well, nearly everybody, anyway. So let's see. So she's cast in the show called These Friends of Mine, which mm-hmm. later becomes Ellen. And mm-hmm. Ellen runs from 1994 through 1998. And it was one of the most popular shows in the U.S., very wholesome sitcom popular. based on Ellen's comedy. In 1997, Ellen came out in real life to Oprah on The Oprah Show in a private one-on-one interview. The Ellen's sexuality had been guessed at and hinted at and there were jokes about, right? Um, is she, isn't she? And it was something that she played with. She played with that tension. 
mm-hmm. uh, generated a lot of attention for her, um, mm-hmm. but also a lot of anxiety because suddenly she wants to be authentic and be her real self, which I know is so fucking cliche. And I'm sorry to have said that, but that's also, it's just true, right? So right. she comes out in 1970. Well, this was a huge deal. Her coming out was a huge, huge, huge deal at the time. Nobody so famous had come out, I don't think. It was, it, everybody talked about it. Everybody. I don't know that there was a woman who had come out. Um, I'm sure there wasn't. I'm I mean, positive. I'll just say maybe Melissa Etheridge. I have to, that's something yeah, I maybe. should have maybe racked my memory banks to, to I don't know. But... But yes, she was uh, she was a very, very, very famous person in the U.S. and certainly the most famous person, maybe after Elton John, to have come out as, <laughs> as gay, right? Yeah. And so um, she told her producers on ABC, the uh, the network that aired the show, that hey, I want to come out and I'm going to do that. And they were like, hey, listen, no, we're the four seasons in. Could we just get one more season out of you? And maybe then, and could you just like be gay in your own time? And she was like, "Mm, I think I'm going to do this. And yeah, so she did. And so the producers said, great, we're going to use this in the show. The show's based on your life. You've come out. The Ellen character is something that we've been based on your life. Ellen, Mm -hmm. the character is going to come out. So Oprah came on to Ellen's sitcom and played mm-hmm. Ellen's therapist, and mm-hmm. Ellen comes out on the show. And the show was called The Puppy Episode, and it was the highest rated TV show for the Ellen show. I don't know if like all time, but it was the number one episode in her entire series. And then mm-hmm. after that, her series quickly tanked. Um, yeah. Advertisers weren't super thrilled. They were a little nervous. Get it, right? But also, and I do remember this, every fucking episode was, Ellen's gay. Oh, look, Ellen's gay. Ellen's gay. And it's like, you know, okay, maybe, but could, could something else happen other than, huh, isn't it funny <laughs> that Ellen's gay? Oh, we've got to give Ellen credit for coming out um, totally. as a woman. Totally. Okay. Right. So I, yeah. uh, I, I want to say that uh, I'm giving America some credit to here, let's say. Right. Okay. I don't think the reason the show tanked was simply because Ellen DeGeneres came out. I think it's mm-hmm. that the show got real boring real quick. It, it, it had one trick pony and that trick pony uh, was gay and it rode that pony for five more episodes. Right. I, oh, I don't even know how many more episodes, but the show know. ended a year later. And then, uh, and Ellen's show came out from 2000, 2001, but it was canceled after its first season. Uh, one writer on that show said that Ellen treated the writers like shit, but that's pretty normal for Hollywood. So yeah. I don't know that that's really remarkable. Well, I want to say something though, about, um, the, the show where she, the Ellen show where she came out as gay. She, um, Laura Dern played her girlfriend on that show. Um, the one that I guess, I, I didn't see the episode, so I don't know. I guess she comes out on the episode to Laura Dern or to her therapist first. I don't know. Anyway, but um, but Laura Dern um, was not able to work for a year after that episode. And as you're starting to say, um, Ellen also was um, unable to work for several years. But um, even so, going back to look at what Ellen did, she, um, according to a 2015 poll, she did more to influence Americans' attitudes about gay rights than any other public figure. And people would come up to Ellen and to other people who worked on the show and tell them that um, Ellen had saved people's lives. And the president and CEO of GLAAD said it had helped her when she came out um, as an older woman. So it really, um, I know we've said that we need to give Ellen credit for this, but there's not, it's not possible to overstate the impact that this had. And this was a different time. This was a time when I think like 68%, I think I read of Americans were opposed to, to gay relationships. It was not easy um, for, it was not easy to be gay back then. So this was a big deal. Yeah. I mean, Matthew Shepard hadn't even happened yet uh, when Ellen came out. And so, uh, 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 yes, attitudes were very different. It was dangerous to be gay in many yep. parts of the U.S. Um, yep. And Ellen absolutely was heroic and uh, brave for doing that. And 
you know. And a number of Thanks shows Ellen. started to come out after after started to come out after Ellen came out. Like in 1998, Will and Grace came out, and then in 1999, Queer as Folk was um, started in the UK. And you said the Ellen show came back in 2001, just for a few episodes, um, and the L Word was in 2004. Oh, the best show ever! I fucking love the L Word. Um, oh, I need to see it. Oh my god, I have the best L Word story. I'm going to take 30 seconds to tell you. James had just okay. moved to the U.S. Uh, we were living in West Hollywood. He didn't have a lot of friends, so he didn't go out. And my job mm -hmm. kept me really busy. And so I worked mm -hmm. a lot of weekends. And I came home on Sunday night, and he was sitting on the couch, and he was crying. And mm. I said, oh, honey, what's wrong? And he said, Tina and Bet broke up. And I said, oh. oh, no, I'm sorry. Are these friends of yours? Imagining, like, he's got some neighbor friends or something, right? Yeah. And he was like, no, it's the two girls on the TV show, The L Word. And <laughs> I can't I mean, imagine James crying over television. Adorable, right? That's so cute. Um, yeah. yeah. And then I was like, uh, isn't that a show for lesbians? And he was like, it's really good. <laughs> and holy fuck, it's really good. Um, okay, I'm going to watch well it Well worth tonight. watching. Like, so let's stop now and start watching The L Word. Okay. Um, okay, so uh, Ellen in 2001, she's got her show. So then we have uh, September 11th. That happened. Uh, Ellen's career is sort of on the skids a bit. She's just problematic, not in terms of personality, just that she's openly gay. And she'd been tapped to host the Emmys, which were running on November mm. 4th in 2001. Mm. And September mm. 11th happened. So this is three and a half weeks after September 11th. And the mm. Emmys wanted a very somber mood because it was not appropriate to be celebrating anything after mm -hmm. September 11th. Um, so Ellen came on and she did an amazing job as a host. She had hit all the right tones. She sort of gave people permission to uh, to have feelings, but then also to, to laugh a little bit. And um, she received a standing ovation for her joke. Which follows, what would bug the Taliban more than seeing a gay woman in a suit surrounded by Jews? And I've got to say that as a joke, that is really fucking good. The, the audience laughed <laughs> and they stood up and they applauded. But she does a couple of things in here that I just want to take a moment to, to look at, right? To really appreciate just how clever this is. I don't know that Ellen wrote it or somebody wrote it for her, but... Here she is, a gay woman who is having trouble with her career, hosting the mm -hmm. Emmys, an award mm -hmm. ceremony that celebrates people who are in the industry that is shutting the doors on her, right? Yeah. And in one sentence, she puts herself, she aligns herself with uh. core American values because the Taliban would hate her because she's gay. Therefore, if you hate her because she's gay, you may as well join the Taliban, right? Right. I mean, in that sentence, she she does a lot of work shifting the conversation around her gayness. And suddenly being wow. gay becomes an American trait, right? Wow. And then she takes a nice little dig at Hollywood and its relationship with uh, Jewish people. And that does some other work, too. And... Uh, I'm not going to touch that because I didn't really think about it. Um, <laughs> and let's see. So then that gets her up to about 2003 when the Ellen show starts, the Ellen talk show starts. And I would love to hear what you have found and uncovered in regards to the Ellen show moving forward because yeah. I stopped my homework there. So um, she was having a difficult time until about 2003. Um, and 2003, she um, was the voice of Dory in Finding Nemo, which is really the thing that sort of kickstarted her career um, back again. Um, and then she started the Ellen DeGeneres show the same year, 2003, which soon became a hit talk show and was nominated for a boatload of daytime Emmys in its first season. And I think it won four, including Best Talk Show. So this is where she got famous for dancing on the show and being funny and being charitable and saying, be kind. Um, and Obama gave her the Medal of Freedom in 2016 for um, coming out, I guess, um, being strong. And he said, just 
just how important it was, not just to the LGBT community, but for all of us to see somebody so full of kindness and light, somebody we liked so much, somebody who could be our neighbor or our colleague or our sister challenge our own assumptions, remind us that we have more in common than we realize and push our country in the direction of justice. So um, good, she got recognition, awesome. Uh, she had, um, that was 2016, in 2018, she had a Netflix comedy special called Relatable, which I think pokes fun at her being relatable. I haven't seen it, um, but I, I, I might did. watch it. You did? I How did. Was it? Not recently. Was, was it relatable? Um, it was kind of relatable. It was a bit more like... Oh my God, I'm so rich and famous, but I'm still a person. Let's laugh about how much money I have. Uh, and so, okay. you know, I mean, <laughs> man, it's better than my comedy special. <laughs> um, yeah. And I was really um, sort of neutral on Ellen, kind of wavering between slightly positive and slightly negative. But then I heard that in 2018, she was the executive producer of Tignataro's Happy to Be Here stand up special. And I love Tignataro. Yes. I wish I were Tignataro. She is just so awesome. And if she picked Ellen to be the executive producer, I don't know if she, I don't know if you pick your executive producer or if it's just whoever gives you money or what, but I mean, she allowed her in some way to be, she, she was not against being associated with Ellen. So Ellen must be okay. Ellen recognized That's the talent bomb that, and I mean that in a great way, not in a bad yeah. way that Tig yeah. Navarro is and said, She's amazing. Hey, let's get you some, ex let's get you some exposure. Right. Yeah. Um, she wrote for Amy Schumer, which like, mwah. Um, right. So, okay, I'll stop nerding out. <laughs> so, yeah, so here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling okay about Ellen. She's working with Tignataro. Uh, everything is great. Um, <laughs> and then in November, something happened. What happened? November of this year. The election? <laughs> <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> something of a person named Dakota Johnson. Oh! <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I knew you were leading me somewhere. <laughs> I was so busy listening that I was like, I don't know what happened. Yes. I'm not really yes. sure. That's why you have to take it from here. <laughs> this is why we're a comedy podcast because That's right. you could never get away with this any other way. Um, okay. So, so the Ellen daytime talk shows, running it's great it's wholesome americana uh i don't know actually what the what the viewership was when it started off but but it grew very quickly um i once had a job where i sold um tour packages into los angeles to travel agents and hmm. one of the packages that we had was the ellen show and i had a very nice older lady from somewhere in the midwest who brought in busloads of people into hmm. LA, right? And she came up to me and was mm -hmm. like, hey, listen, I've got a full day that I need to fill and I don't have any ideas. And, you know, we do all the obvious stuff. What have you got? And I was like, oh my God, well, I could get you into the Ellen show like easy. If you've got a busload of 50 people, it can get you seats right away. It'll be guaranteed. And she wow. said, I don't think that's right for us. Oh no. And she meant the gay thing. Right. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I don't have anything else. Sorry. It's Ellen or nothing. Right. No, of course not. <laughs> I was like, all right. I don't know. Make something up. Hot dogs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hot dogs. So, so the Ellen DeGeneres show did have some hurdles to overcome, but it quickly, I think, yeah. became a mainstream in, in wholesome Americana. Uh, hooray. Fast forward to 2019. In November of 2019, Dakota Johnson, who is an actress, if you know or don't know that, uh, came on the show and uh, it was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And so the set was decorated for Christmas, looked really sweet. And Dakota was right in front of this really beautiful Christmas tree. And mm -hmm. Ellen's all like, hey, so I understand you had a birthday party recently and I didn't get invited. And that was supposed to be the joke, right? Like, oh, mm -hmm. Ellen doesn't have a social life. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> and Dakota said, Hey, um, Ellen, actually, yes, you did get invited because <laughs> I called your producer personally myself to make sure you got invited because the last time I was on your show and I had a birthday party and you didn't get invited, I thought, hey, you know, I'll invite her. Hey, she wants to come to my birthday party. Great. 
And uh, it sort of went downhill from there for Ellen uh, mm -hmm. in terms of the interview with Dakota Johnson. So you can see Ellen trying to like regain some ground and she does a good job. Um, I'm not here to critique Ellen DeGeneres, but I am, or at least her apology. <laughs> so, uh, so Dakota did not mean girl Ellen, right? And I mm -hmm. think that's really important to, to point out that Dakota Johnson just said, hey, Ellen, you're pretending that you didn't get invited, but you actually did. And whether or not you got the invitation, one was delivered, right? Um, and so that sort of started this whole rumbling, if you will, where people were like, wow, Dakota Johnson, like, really took Ellen down. And wow. I don't know what to say after that, because it starts to get into a wrestling thing, which brings up uh, hot oil. <laughs> <laughs> Which we're not here to discuss. No, not so. at all. So I was just like, yeah, there's too many. There's only one pathway. This is, I'm going to shut up. Please. Please save so, me. Um, in March 2020, um, Thank you. a dude, a dude, comedian dude named Kevin Porter, um, asked for negative experiences related to Ellen. Um, and he said that she was notoriously one of the meanest people alive. And he got a bunch of responses um, and stories. And BuzzFeed News talked to 36 former employees. And it says many of whom independently corroborated. I don't know what many means. Is that six or is that 35? But um, independently corroborated incidents of harassment, sexual misconduct, and assault from top producers. All of the ex-employees, many of whom had voluntarily left the show, asked to remain anonymous out of fear of retribution. And uh, Chris Farah on Twitter said, I worked at Real Food daily served her and Portia at brunch she wrote a letter to the owner and complained about my chipped nail polish not that it was on her plate but just that it was on my hand I had worked till closing the night before and this was the next morning almost got me fired so there are a lot of accusations about Ellen that have come out recently um, for example she doesn't say hi she doesn't say thank you she makes people take gum from a bowl outside her office so their breath doesn't smell she had a racist producer she fired an employee because they received mental health treatment She's not kind. Um, Everybody Loves Raymond star Brad Garrett said Ellen's mistreating people is common knowledge. Um, quote, sorry, but it comes from the top. No more than one who were treated horribly by her. Common knowledge. Uh, a former writer said she treated the writers like shit, saying, why do you keep writing these unfunny jokes? And, and not in a funny way, um, although I find it very funny. Um, and uh, another producer sort of defended her and said, it's not that she's some demon. She just lives in an incredibly privileged bubble and is out of touch with the real world. Uh, and sort of along those lines, BuzzFeed noted that some former workers don't think that Ellen is aware of what goes on behind the scenes because she doesn't spend enough time in the office or interacting with the staff. Uh, and they said that executive producers insulate her from the details um, and everyone acts really differently when she shows up, which I believe because that's how it works. Um, when yeah, your it's called super, the boss. super boss shows up, yeah. right? <laughs> you're different. You're not sitting there blowing your nose and, you know, reading Twitter. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you're working. <laughs> so, um, after an investigation by Warner Brothers, three executives left the show and Ellen apologized as we read at the beginning of the show. Um, so I have a lot to say about this overall thing. Um, but first I want to give you the opportunity to throw in any comments that you may have at this point. So many um, that I I think what we so let's review where we're at right so mm -hmm. uh, just just in a nutshell Ellen's had those regular mundane jobs now she's super rich and famous right she's very powerful mm -hmm. she went through mm -hmm. a lot of let's call it I don't know trauma I mean she went through yeah. a lot of bullshit to to get there yeah. right she came out yeah. her career almost ended. I mean, sure, she was at least a millionaire, so that's better than sleeping on a floor with fleas, right? With fleas, yeah. Yeah, so even if you only saved $1 million out of all the money you ever... Fine, right, you're right, okay. Right, um, yeah. But then at the same time, it's Hollywood is real fucking annoying. Every goddamn yeah. person wants to be discovered. Everybody wants mm. to be seen for the special star that they are. Everyone's written a script. You can't... Your valet, when you go to a restaurant will leave a screenplay in your car that he wrote. Wow. If he knows who you are and you're a person that can get him, get, yeah. maybe something, right? Um, sure. 
So you've got a lot of people at you. I don't know what those little fish are called with those teeth. Not the piranha, but the piranha? other ones. Oh, I don't know. They all have teeth. Okay. All fish have teeth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, so. we're here to say we hate fish. Um, <laughs> so, so I get why Ellen might need to insulate herself from the plebes, if you will. Hi, as a plebe, yeah. I can say that. So, mm-hmm. sure, when Ellen walks into the room, don't talk to her guy that pours the water unless mm-hmm. she talks to you first, right? Because odds are you're going to come up and say, hey, Ellen, I wrote a really funny joke last night, and I'd like $500,000 for it, please. Mm-hmm. And no one wants to hear that. Right. Now, I am going to say also that Oprah, everybody loves I don't hear a lot of mean stuff about Oprah. So it might just be that Ellen is not amazing, right? I don't yeah, know. could be. It could well, be. They just haven't come out about Oprah yet. Or never will, because those people probably are just disappear. They're dead. Right. <laughs> That's why you never hear it. Shh. Here comes Oprah. Okay. Nothing. Nothing. Put down Twitter. Look nice. Um, <laughs> don't talk to her. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, so I sort of get why, like, Ellen might be an asshole. Everybody wants something from her. I know this to yeah. be true. Yeah, I believe you. So, are we ready to do um, absolution or condemnation? Yes, I am. Because uh, I actually went from, I don't really care, to, oh, mm-hmm. wow, no, wow, this is bad. This is really insincere, to, okay, now I've, now I've landed somewhere. So, you want to do... One, two, three, go, and both say it at the same yeah. time. Are we going to say yes or no, or what are we going to say? Um, let's let's do the show. Let's figure out the show on on the listeners' time. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so totally. one, two, three. Yes, we accept. No, we don't accept. Yeah, sure. Or one, two, three. Or one, two, three. Absolution, condemnation. Absolve, condemn. Okay. Right? Okay. One, two, one, two, three. three. <laughs> <laughs> Absolve. One. Absolve. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you absolved her. I thought you were going to condemn her. I, initially, I was because the apology was pretty insincere. But then the more... And, and let me rephrase that. Again, she said all the right things, right? She, you know, she takes ownership of it. But she tells jokes. And I'm talking only about the apology to, yeah, to the yeah. audience, right? Yeah. Um, the apology sucked. It wasn't great. And and I get why she had to make jokes, but I think really what you could have done is start off with a couple of soft jokes, do a very sincere, short apology, sure. acknowledge sure. it, take ownership sure. of it. We're going to move sure. forward. You don't have to feel bad for supporting my show because we're going right. to be better. And right. then finish with a joke. But the, So the yeah. joke's in the between, eh... Yeah. And, and she then, deflected a lot and she like like pointed out that other people were suffering more in other places and sort of was like, you know, why are you bothering me about saying I wasn't nice when there's wildfires and all this stuff going on? It was kind of heavy impression I got. Yeah. And so so for that I was like, Oh, condemn. No, no, no. Don't don't care. Yeah. Don't don't want it, right? Who do you think you are? Nobody says anything bad about Oprah. Uh, where there's smoke, mm-hmm. there's fire kind of stuff. But then it's mm-hmm. like, well, how responsible can one person be for the actions of executive management? Well, I get it. she sets the tenor for the show and for the yeah. behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, reading what the producers did, and the accusations leveled against the three producers who were fired yeah. from the show, uh, I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, so Ellen's an asshole, and maybe she's inauthentic. A bit, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I mean, we're all multi-layered, and and so okay, I'll give her a pass for being a human being, but she's not being accused of sexually harassing people or right or right. directly being racist herself, right? Um, so it's kind of like well, it seems like Ellen's crime here is that she's an asshole, but she's and, not nice. She's not and nice. I I read an article. If I can have a few minutes here, I read an article. Um, uh, at Salon by Melanie McFarland, and she says that be kind is an impossible bar for anyone to consistently meet or exceed. When was the last time you had to be demonstrative, 
demonstratively kind for a sustained amount of time in public? Can you be kind to everyone who interacts with you on the worst day of your life? Can you smile and dance while you're being dogged by rumors that you're actually notoriously one of the meanest people alive? Now, I personally, in my in my bubble here, had not heard that Ellen was mean before, which means nothing. But Melanie McFarland is Salon's TV critic, and she hadn't heard it either. So Ellen did a really good job of hiding it if, in fact, she is a mean lady or if we could call her a bitch. Huh, I don't know. I'm surprised no one called her a bitch. But um, Melanie goes on to say that it probably goes without saying that such behavior is excused, even praised in men, while equivalent behavior in women brings out the pitchforks. So women are called unreasonable, selfish, and unfeminine when they so much as stand up for themselves. And what harassment and abuse has Ellen suffered? Have we ever really talked about or thought about that. I mean, we, did, we didn't say her stepfather molested her at a young age, and she actually tried to protect her mother by not telling her. And later on, she said, I should not have protected her. I should have protected myself. And I didn't tell her for a few years. And then I told her, and she didn't believe me, and then she stayed with him for 18 more years. I mean, women are notoriously not believed in these kinds of situations, but, but her too. But, but yeah, so, so what, what kind of harassment has Ellen gone through to get to where she is? You know that she has. You just know. Um, and where are all the complaints about male comedians and actors not being kind? They're not required to be kind all the time because they're men. So there's actually a study um, recently in the HR Management Journal that's uh, titled, Women Must Be Nice to Gain Influence at Work. So women have to be confident, influential, and liked. For men, niceness doesn't matter. Um, and then there's a nice little bit that I got from uh, BillMoyers.com. So Kristen Miller, um, who is, uh, I think Kristen Miller asked the question of Robin Lakoff. She said, do you think that being nice in public discourse is something that is only asked of women? And Robin says, yes, women are supposed to be nice and obedient. And if they stray from that expectation, they can expect criticism. They are no longer good women. Men have to go way beyond what's permissible before they get criticized. They are just being strong and assertive. And in any case, neither men nor women are apt to publicly criticize a man's behavior or dress or looks when it's okay to berate a woman on any of these. So a woman in public life has to tread a much narrower path than a man. Anything she does can and will be used against her in the court of public opinion, and all too often it works against her. Thus, going back to politics, in the 2016 race, Clinton was repeatedly and destructively interpreted, criticized for pretty much everything she did or said, and Trump, who deserved worse, got much less. And Ellen herself says, I like men, but there are so many men that get away with so much. And I mean, just 100%. Absolutely yeah, true. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Like, you can't, can't argue that. Um, and so Ellen is absolved, and it seems her crime is that she is a powerful woman. Well, she may not be nice, but, um, you know, it, what is this requirement to be nice? I think we need to look into that a little bit more. And as far as the apology itself, um, there are things that are good about the apology. She said, I'm sorry. She said, I take responsibility. She said, I'm committed to ensuring this does not happen again. Um, she said, I'm in a position of privilege and power, and with that comes responsibility. Um, but she also says things like, um, other people are saying things about me, and that has to stop. And joking, like you said, um, saying that uh, don't be the kind lady because no one can live up to this. But at the same time, I'm the person that you see on TV, so I am the be kind lady. Um, it's confusing. Um, and I think there are a couple other things that she says. If I have ever, if I have ever let someone down, if I have ever hurt their feelings, I mean that's the notorious if you want someone to say, um, I'm so sorry for hurting anyone, instead of well, if I hurt somebody then I'm sorry. Um, and I think that's also, she's speaking to the idea of how responsible can I really be for things that I didn't know were going on, but I'm going to take ownership of them because this is my name on the show. Mm -hmm. um, I'd watched a, an air quotes around this because I mean, how serious is, are either of these two things? A body language, language expert who looked at Ellen DeGeneres's. Uh, I watched that too. Apology. Yeah, and then uh, some guy who does a verbal analysis, and yeah. sort of the the summation was, yeah, sorry, I was caught, kind of a thing, yeah. and I'm sorry, and I'm not, you know, I'm not happy, and for sure she felt insecure. Um, yeah. Her language and, and a lot of her posturing was, it, or a lot of her movements were self-comforting. And so yeah. Uh, yeah. so that was an uncomfortable space for her to be in. And 
not easy to do. And, you know, hey, I hope that when I have $800 million on my TV show and I have to issue an apology, I can do it with as much grace as Ellen. Absolutely. I'm going to take my money and run. Fuck those bitches. (laughs) You don't like it? Go find another fucking job. That's the problem with Hollywood, right? Everybody wants to be a star. So there are 10 producers who are just as good who will work for less, right? Oh, my God. There's as many PAs as there are grains of sand in a beach. I don't know what's poetic, right? Like, I'm glad I never went to LA. People sell their fucking souls. And mm. if you have sold your soul and you achieve success, you expect the same in return. I, I sold see. my soul for success. Now you You're going to sell, sell your soul to me. Right. Oh, boy. It's like one big pyramid scheme for souls. Well, so much for LA. Um, I love it. Who's sorry now? Oh. <laughs> Uh, this week I am. So I was looking for <laughs> a, uh, like, oh God, what, what goes in, th- in theme with this? And so my theme for this is sort of don't meet your heroes. And I would like to issue, not that I'm the hero here, but I met my hero who's Octavia Butler, uh, a writer who oh, cool. passed away. And, um, I was a great big giant fan bought all of her books, and I had a friend who had access to the L.A. Book Fair, um, which publishing industry thing. And so I got in and for free, which was amazing for me. The tickets were like 300 bucks or something. And Octavia Butler was signing her new book, and I stood in line. And the amazing thing about this fair is all the books there are free. You pick them up and just wow. take as many books as you want. It's fucking heaven. And so I'm standing in this line for Octavia Butler to sign a book that I brought with me that I had bought of hers, Uh right? uh That I didn't know was going to be free at the event, right? Right. And I hand her my book. She goes to sign it. And I saw another book I really wanted to read, which was called The Yaya Sisterhood. And I grabbed that while she was signing my book. (laughs) And I said something stupid like, Thank you. I think you're great. She didn't say uh-huh. a single word to me at Aww. all. The minute I walked away, she couldn't have been happier and nicer to the people behind me. Laughing, huh. signing their books. And I was like, that's the interaction I was supposed to have with her. But I was so nervous, Aww. right? Yeah. So yeah. nervous that yeah. what I did was just a reflex thing of, I'm going to pretend I'm not here and here's something I would do in real life anyway, which is take a free book that I want to read because it's free. And and I've never read that fucking book. Um, so Octavia Butler, it is not that I didn't think you were great. It's that I was shy. So I'm sorry. Oh, that's a good apology. Man, I mean, you know, I'm sure she didn't care. Um, what about you? Who, who's sorry? Well, I actually reminded me of an apology that I have, but I can't remember the name of the author. And I'm sitting here racking my brain that you would know it. She's a science fiction writer, and she's not Octavia Butler. She's a white woman. She was older um, at the time. Um, she, she's very, very, very famous. Like one of the Ursula top five famous. No, but close. Was it Ursula Le Guin? Let me look at her picture. Her picture? Look at the title of her book. <laughs> is she so famous you're gonna know her face i'm gonna laugh if you say Stevie it was Nicks. Ursula Le Guin. thank it you yay <laughs> we are so, so yeah. fucking scary similar sometimes <laughs> so one time i went to um some event and i don't remember if it was a book event or a feminist event or a um psychology event or what because i used to go to all those things but ursula Le Guin was there and she was talking about i don't remember what she talked about but it was in a really small room surprisingly and there were like 10 people there um in the audience which was i was shocked this was like in the late 90s um and I was sitting there thinking, wow, I'm sitting here with Ursula Le Guin. This is amazing. And I was sitting on the aisle, and I pulled out my camera, and I leaned over. I'm sitting right in front of her, like two seats back, and I took her picture. Oh, no. And she kind of, I did. And she kind of gave me the look, and I thought, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then I couldn't leave because that would have been even more embarrassing. But I just sat there kind of cowering the rest of the time. I felt really bad about it. Hey, please tell me it was I, a- I, I, it was an upskirt shot. What? No. 
<laughs> but I don't even have the picture now. I don't oh. know what happened to it. I know. So I pissed off Ursula Le Guin for no reason. I'm sorry, Ursula. Well, if that's back in the days when cameras were really obtrusive. That you couldn't just like do a sneaky phone. They were too. It was a film camera. <laughs> that's the best story I've heard today. <laughs> that's the only story you've heard today. <laughs> well, I've heard about Ellen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we've forgiven Ellen. That's good. Um, what are we going to do next week? Mm. We got to think about There's, that. Huh? So we do have to think about that. There are so many out there. Um, I wanted to do Ellen because it felt like we'd been doing some pretty serious ones, and I thought mm-hmm. Ellen would be light and pretty easy because it was very much in the man who cares camp. Um, but then it, then I did care a bit. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see, and you will see. Okay, you will see next week. Yep. All right. Then that's it. Uh, Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next week. Thank you. And goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Apologies Accepted, the podcast. You can find links to articles and the sources in the show notes. To submit an apology or find out more, visit us at apologiesaccepted.net, where you can also find our merchandise. We're on Twitter at Apologies Accepted. And on Instagram at Apologies.Accepted. You can support our important work at Patreon forward slash Apologies Accepted. And fuck Facebook. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye.